Hey, Parkview, welcome. I'll just go ahead and let you read my shirt because that's what you're doing anyway. It's pretty great. I want to welcome Mike Baker to preach today, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Mike preaches at the Eastview Christian Church down in Bloomington. It's about our size in Bloomington normal. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the most impressive things you'll ever see to go on that campus and understand the heart of Jesus that's reaching out to the middle of Illinois. I'm holding awkwardly this thing in my hand because also what just happened was that uh, on Friday of my convention, I gave this gavel representing the presidency of the North American Christian Convention to my friend Mikey. What that means is uh, that now I'm feeling groovy and he's feeling all the stress. So Parkview, please be really, really nice to my friend Mike Baker this weekend. Will you welcome him for me right now? All right, all right. Thank you very much, thank you. Thanks, it has been awesome to be with you guys this weekend. And, and like you said, we're just, you know, just about two hours south on 55 and we feel like in many ways we are kindred spirits. I've known Tim, my wife Sarah's with me this weekend. Tim and Denise have been friends of ours for about 20 years. And our kids have grown up together, our churches have grown up together, and someday we're going to grow up together. Uh, hopefully we will. The Lord's still working on both of us. Um, but uh, we, we go back a long way. As a matter of fact, when, when our kids were like in junior high, we were trying to arrange a marriage, but they just didn't want to go for that. So, uh, so we'll see what happens. And uh, one story that's really funny about our two churches is about five years ago, a lady came to the membership class at Parkview Christian Church, and she, she said to Tim, she said, I'm, you know, I've got relatives in Chicago and relatives in Bloomington Normal and I go to Eastview Christian Church. I'm really a member there. Can I, would it be weird for me to be members of both churches? You know, and Tim's like, I don't think, oh, that's not a problem at all. And, I'm, and I said the same thing. It's the kingdom of God. It's a big place. I love it. Members of both places, as long as you give to Eastview Christian Church, we'll be good. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know where she ties. I'm just kidding. Uh, today we're going to study in Matthew chapter 3. You know the other thing I love about Tim Harlow? It was really awesome about Tim Harlow. I'm kind of a distracted person. I could be ADD. They didn't, we didn't have that back in the olden days. Back in the olden days, we didn't have computers or ADD, okay? Uh, but uh, when I'm around Tim, I feel very focused. That's what's really awesome about him. <laughs> I feel like I'm the most concentrated person in the world when I'm around him. So we, we've, we've done a lot of fun stuff together. And I love that. Matthew 13 is where we're going to be studying from today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there because we're going to be in that a lot. I'm going to tell you four parables today, four stories about seeds. Now, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but, but a parable is a Greek word. It comes from a Greek word, parabole. You guys are scholars. You probably know this stuff. Parabole means this. Para means beside. Bole means to throw. So a parable is a throw beside. It's a story that Jesus told to, to help us understand the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God can be very complicated sometimes. So Jesus says, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of God, and he'd throw beside a story to help us understand it. So I got a parable, and Jesus has got three parables. His is going to be better than mine. But uh, let me start with my parable about seeds, my story about seeds. I, I don't know what you guys are like at your house, but our family, we get into a lot of holidays. We love having people over. And my wife, she decorates for all the different seasons, right? So in the fall, when it gets close to Halloween time, she's decorating the house with all kinds of pumpkins, all right? And, uh, and so she, she decorates pumpkins, big pumpkins, small pumpkins, little decorated ones, the ones you can throw and stuff. She's got all those things on the mantel, on the front porch. But you know what happens, like after Halloween's over, it's time to get rid of the pumpkins, right? And that's the man's job. She always says to me, hey, would you get rid of the pumpkins? Well, I need to tell you this about pumpkins. Um, pumpkins seem like they're pretty important in our culture, especially in central Illinois. You guys may not know this, but we're not very far from Morton, Illinois, which is the pumpkin-producing capital of the world. Uh, 70 you guys are not impressed by that. I mean, it's, 
pretty impressive stuff. And, uh, and, and 70% of all the pumpkins that you guys ate last year were probably, were probably grown in Morton, Illinois. So in my mind, I'm going, the people in Morton, man, they got their pumpkin growing on, man. They know how to do pumpkins. And I'm impressed with that, except a couple of years ago, about seven years ago to be exact, my wife says, hey, get rid of these pumpkins. So I did what any self-respecting husband would do. In fact, some of the pumpkins are kind of mushy on the underside. You guys know what I'm talking about? The end of, so I got, this, I got the snow shovel. And I put these pumpkins in there. I carried them out the backyard, and I chucked them in the corner against the fence of our backyard. You're like, what is wrong with them? Well, it's biodegradable. It's not hurting any animals. It's good, all right? But you guys know what happened seven months later. I got a pumpkin patch in my backyard. You know what? I'm a city boy, but I can grow pumpkins. You know how you do it? You throw seeds in the backyard. And now I'm known for our, around our, our cul-de-sac, the kids come and they pick pumpkins and they get little ones and they get big ones, the decorative gourds. And, and this pumpkin patch has even started to grow into the neighbor's yard and they're cool with it. They're not mad at me. And we're growing pumpkins. And it's this simple. You just chuck a bunch of seeds in the corner, seven years in a row, pumpkin grower. <laughs> and I'm not here today to talk to you about pumpkins or growing pumpkins or how to do that. I'm here today to talk to you about the kingdom of God. The second parable is one that Jesus tells in Matthew 13. It's a famous parable. Even if you don't go to church, you maybe never get, been to church, you've probably heard this parable. Jesus tells a parable about a, a sower and a seed. And again, I'm really into languages, so sorry I'm sharing all this stuff. But, but the Greek word for sowing means to extend the arm because this was the motion of a sower in the Bible times. They usually had a basket or some kind of bag on their shoulder, a bunch of seed in it. And they just did this. They just walked through a path, and they just threw seeds everywhere. Jesus tells a parable. He says, there was once this guy who was going out throwing seeds. And some of it fell on the path that he was walking on, and it got trampled, and the birds of the air came and ate it, and it didn't grow. Some of the seed fell on this rocky soil, and it wasn't very deep, and the seeds began to grow. But because it was, there was no um, root, the sun came out, they withered, they died. Some of the seed fell among thorns there were thorns on the edge of the, of the garden, I imagine, in my mind. And he says some of the seed fell there, and they grew up, but then when they got big, the weeds started choking them out, and they die. He says, but some of it, most of it, fell on really, really fertile soil, and 100 times, 60 times, 30 times what was sown was grown, and there was a great harvest. Now, Jesus is not talking to us about how to be good farmers. He's talking to us about how to grow the kingdom of God and how Jesus grows inside of people's hearts. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Before we do anything else, though, if you have your Bibles, flip it over. Hey, listen, if you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. I'll read to you like we're in kindergarten. Remember that? Okay. No, you guys don't remember that because we have technology now. Anyway, where was that? Matthew 13, verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom... Now, so we've got to understand this. The seed that he's talking about, I'm talking about sowing seeds. He's talking about the word of the kingdom. What's the word of the kingdom? We've got to answer that question before we understand this sermon. Well, the word of God, the word of the kingdom of God. You might not know this, but God has been talking from the very beginning of human history. You know, in the beginning, was the, uh, God was in the beginning, and there was nothing in the world. And then in chapter 1, verse 3 of Genesis, he says these words. You guys know them? Let there you guys are so much smarter than the first service this morning. <laughs> Let there be light. And from those words, those words that God uttered, all of creation and everything that you see and everything you know, there was light in the world. And, and things began to grow and things began to become what we have today. God's words are creative. 
And then we get to Hebrews 11. You guys know this. He spoke to Moses in the law. He spoke through prophets. He, he spoke through a lot of people in the Old Testament. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. In the olden times, in times past, God spoke through the prophets at various times and in many ways. But in these last days, good news here, in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. In fact, it gets even better. You guys know that in John chapter 1, verse 1, uh, the word was, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's talking about Jesus, because in John 1, 14, he comes back and he says, and the word became flesh. You should be doing backflips about that, because God's word was not this distant voice from God, not this voice on the mountain, not this writing on stone tablets, but in the flesh, we could see Jesus. And that's God's word. And now, all these years later, we have the, the history and the record of the living word, Jesus, in the scriptures. And so every time we open the scriptures, the word of God, the word of the kingdom of God is being planted in the soil of our hearts. And so today, let's, uh, let's read this story. I love this about Jesus, and I love this about his followers always. Jesus is awesome. His followers are slow to understand. And I'm like that. And if you're like that, you could take heart with these disciples because every time Jesus told a parable, they were like, uh, we don't get it. And so he explained stuff to them. Today he's going to explain this parable to us. Chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 18. Here's what it says. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold another 60, and another 30. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us today. So Father, uh, we've already just, I've already just thrown some seed out. It's your holy word. And there are so many soils represented here today that I don't know. Even sometimes the soil of my heart I'm not sure of. But we're in church today and we didn't come to be pretty and dress up and we didn't come to let other people see us we came because we want to know if you have something to say to us. In this moment, would you speak to every heart? Would you turn up the soil of hardened hearts? Would you take away the stones of cold hearts? Would you rid the weeds of thorn-filled hearts? And would you help us grow in you today? God, you know I'm not smart enough or eloquent enough to do what I'm getting ready to do. So you have to do it. Would you speak to us? By the power of your son Jesus and his resurrection, the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, I, I, just these three stories of Jesus. He, I, I just was reading this not too long ago. I'm reading in Matthew 13, and it's like, Jesus tells three stories about seeds. Maybe there's something there for us to learn. 
This first one, uh, the, 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 the whole point of the thing, and, and these are the three points. You can just, just kind of can take them down. You can think about them or listen to them. But the first one is this. Here's the first lesson about seeds. Just throw seed and don't worry about the soil. That's what we should think about as people who are followers of God, followers of Jesus Christ. It's our job to throw seed. Don't worry about the soil. Because some of us have people in our lives that represent this path. Uh, you know, verse 19, the evil one comes, they, they, they hear the word of the kingdom, they don't understand it. The evil one comes, they snatch away what's been sown in the heart. We'll talk about the evil one in just a moment. The evil one snatches away. These are the people along the path. You know people in your life that you're going, you know what, I'm not, I'm not chucking seed their way. I, I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to bother, I'm not inviting them to church, man. They, they wouldn't come to church. I, I'm not going to talk to them about Jesus. They're going to think I'm weird. They're unreachable. They're that kind of person. They run with that kind of crowd. And I just don't ask them to church because, listen, I believe in miracles, but that would be a miracle, man. So I just don't throw seeds their way. There are people in our lives that we look at them that way. They're this hardened path. They're hardened to God, not going to talk to them. There's other people in our life that are like the rocky ground, I think. Here's what Jesus says. The rocky ground people, those are the people, they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they don't have root. And so when Christianity becomes hard, because here's the aha moment in Christianity, it's sometimes uh, just as difficult as everybody else in the world. Christians get cancer. Christians have trouble with their finances. Christians lose their jobs. Christians die. So guess what? Sometimes you get excited about Jesus, and some of us have friends like that. We brought them to church, we shared the faith with them, they started growing, and all of a sudden you look around and you go, hey, where, where are they? They're not here anymore. I wonder if we should just keep throwing seeds there. Then there's another group of people in our lives, and, and maybe they're people that are sitting next to you right now, maybe it's you. The people that, the, the word of God falls, they come every Sunday to church, they hear the word all the, all the time, but there are weeds in their lives. Look at what Jesus says about the weeds. Isn't this amazing? 2,000 years ago, he spoke these words, and here we are, and they're still real for us today. The deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The stuff of this world, you, get, you know people like that. They should be at church this morning, but they're doing something else. You know people like that, they, they should be followers of Jesus, but they got other things, weeds that are going to grow up in their life and choke out Jesus. And, and sometimes you and I are tempted as, as followers to go, you know what, I'm just going to give up on them. They're to this or to that, and we just give up. Now listen, if you're here today, because I think there's a really good high possibility that somebody in here today is not a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, you maybe think of that you're this path that's all trampled down. You maybe think that you've got weeds in your life that Jesus can't get through. Listen, I want to tell you something today. Jesus changes soil. If the heart and the soul that's inside a person represents the soil that God's throwing seed on, Jesus changes soil. I can't change soil. One of the things that's an aha moment for, for me is that I can't do anything about the soil. Back in the 1900s, I was a youth pastor. And I spent my entire career, that's funny, still. <laughs> She's like, is this guy funny or not? It doesn't matter. I'm entertaining myself, okay? I, I'm having a running dialogue all the time inside my brain, and it's hilarious. If you could just be there, hoping to take you along. So back in the 1900s, I was a youth pastor, and I worked for 16 years with, with teenagers. You know what I tried to do? I tried to change them. I tried to get the bad stuff out, and I tried to get the good stuff in. I tried to bribe them with trips and with candy and with all kinds of... I tried to get them to do the good stuff. 
Try to cool up Jesus so they'd be cool and they'd act a certain way. And you know what I found about teenagers? And now that I'm a pastor to adults, what I found about adults, you can't change people's hearts. You can, you can, you can pull rocks out of their soil. You can weed all that you want. You can, you can try to dig and dig and dig and make sure it's all fertile soil. You know who changes hearts? God changes hearts. So you know what I do? I just pray for people to have their heart changed, and I do what God's called me to do, which is throw seeds. Let him take care of the, of the other stuff. Let him take care of the soil. I'm not worried about the soil anymore. I, I realize that in my ministry, and maybe sometimes in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, you spend a lot of time trying to clean up people's lives, and the reality of it is you can't do it. But you know what I can do? I can talk about Jesus. I can share the, the truth of the word of God that was spoken at the beginning of time and now is proclaimed through Jesus Christ as Son. So that's what I do. And that's why I keep throwing the word of God. The reason I get up and preach every Sunday at my church or the reason I come and, and visit uh, other churches and I preach the word of God, here's what I know. This is good stuff. I don't always know how it's going to land and how it's going to grow, but I know that God's word is, is good stuff. And so I just keep chucking it because this good soil happens in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, the one who hears the word and understands it. And all of us who have been followers of Jesus Christ can testify that, you know, at one time we were rocky and we were paths and we, were, we had thorns growing in our souls. But now Jesus is growing in us and we're growing more than we've ever grown before. And that's why we keep chucking the seed of the word of God. And I want to encourage you with that. Just keep throwing seed. Don't worry about the soil. You can't change the soil. Well, let's get, let's get even deeper here. Jesus, I think, moves on. He tells another story. This is parable number three. Remember, pumpkin chucking. Here's a sower that's sowing seed. And now verse 24, he put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And then at harvest I'll tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Lesson number two about weeds throw seed and let God take care of the weeds. You just need to understand this about growing in the garden and the reality of sowing seeds in the kingdom of heaven, that there's also a weed planter. His name is Satan. He's the devil. And every time you throw seeds, Satan's right behind going, weed, 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 weed. He's planting weeds. That's what he does. That's what we, we referenced that earlier in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away. That's what de the devil's trying to do. If your life is filled with despair or you've got stuff going on in your life that you can't figure out, it's likely that Satan's kind of throwing some stuff at you to mess with you. And so how do we fix that? How, how, do, we, how do we fix it? You know, we, we're like these servants in the story. They go to the master and they go, hey, master, didn't we, we planted good seed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of weeds. How'd they get there? The enemy came and did it. Well, do you, do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? And, 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 and here's my paraphrase. Jesus says, no way, you'll screw up the whole thing. Just leave the field alone. Don't go pulling up weeds. I, I'm not making this up. Verse 28. He said to them, an enemy's done this. They say, you want us to go and gather them? He said, no. Lord, you don't want us to pull weeds out of people's lives? You don't want us to be the weed people? No. You guys throw seed. Let God take care of the weeds. 
You know, we spend a bunch of time in this country particularly. And by the way, I'm as American as it gets. I'm hot dogs, baseball, apple pie, the whole deal. I love it all, right? I love this country. I'm blessed to be a part of this. But you know, just recently we began to, to worry about politically what's going on or about what economically is going on or what's happening to us as a Christian nation. And a lot of people, as a pastor, I get these recommendations to, to poll or to send petitions. and all. I don't because uh, I, I, I can't clean up government. You know, I live in Illinois. I can't clean up the governor, <laughs> government, right? I can't fix that. I, I can't. I don't have the answers for, to run the country. I don't have the answers to run the state, but I have the answers for the kingdom of God. And so, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't mess. It's, I'm smart enough. I could run for office, I suppose, put my name on a poster. I mean, you know, but I don't think it's going to change the world. I think the word of God's going to change the world. So what I do is throw seed and let God worry about the weeds because the weeds are always going to be there. I'm just going to let him take care of it. Now, let me bring that down to a personal level. Because you might go, well, okay, that's political, and, that, and that's the world, and we can't maybe change the United States of America, we can't change the world, all the stuff, you guys know all the stuff that's going on in Gaza right now, and all the fighting that's been going on for, by the way, 3,500 years. It's the same fight. Now, I can't fix that, but I can throw seeds. Well, what about in my personal life? You know what I found out in my personal life is that my, my family, my friends, my neighbors, even the closest part of my family I try to spend a lot of time cleaning up my friend and my, my kids, my spouse. Try to make everybody better by pulling weeds out of their lives all the time. You know what I found? I can't do that either. Just messes things up. I, I have two grown boys. Mikey uh, is 25 years old, just got married in December, and he's always going to be Mikey. He's been Mikey since he's been little. When he's 95, I'll call him Mikey, except I'll probably be dead, so I won't call him anything. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> Mikey is a tattoo artist. He's got his own tattoo shop in Bloomington Normal. And he grew up not wanting to be a preacher. And uh, dad, my gift is this, I want to be a tattoo guy. So I, I, we're cool with that. We actually helped him start the business. That's what he, God made him to do that. Okay. My other son, Caleb, uh, is 23 years old and he's a junior high pastor on staff at our church. He's always wanted to be a preacher. Okay, so I have these, these two polar opposites, right? A tattoo guy, preacher guy, right? And, uh, and I tell you that story to let you know that, that, that I raised two boys, and I really care about where they went. I cared about the, the field of their hearts. And uh, frankly, when Mikey was like 14 or 15, he just got really rebellious, and he got really uh, a lot of weeds in his heart. And as a dad, what, am, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to weed whack. <laughs> I'm going to, you know? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gently push him, nudge him, shove him, kick him in the right direction. And you know how that goes, right? And I found myself, the Lord spoke to me one day. I was actually I'm just praying for Mikey. I was just going, God, come on, help him. Help him get a D plus. That would be such an improvement. Just let, <laughs> help him get some grades. Help him not drop out of school. Help him not get in fight. Help him, you know, help him get a job. And I distinctly heard the Holy Spirit say to me, dude, you're praying for all the wrong stuff. Because, you know, as a parent, I want him to succeed. I want him to get a job. I want him to graduate from school. And all that stuff that I think is important. And God's saying the most important thing is that he knows me and he comes back to the root of his faith. And so from that point on, I stopped praying about the weeds in his life. I don't pray about his weeds anymore. 
I just keep praying for God to stir up in his heart the seed of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that I've planted in there since he was a little kid, and he's on his way. He's in a good place today. He's on his way moving in the right direction. I tell you that story because sometimes we do more damage trying to weed people's lives than we do help. There's some dangers in weeding people. When we start weeding other people's hearts, we can become very judgmental. We, we can begin to go, oh, you're bad because you got those weeds. Let me help you. And we begin to judge them. Or we become uncaring because we don't like them. We see, I see your weeds. not going to hang out with you. Or, um, you know, we can get in over our heads. We try to, to, to do God's work. Then all of a sudden God's going, what are you doing here? You're messing this whole thing up. Don't go out in the fields and pull weeds. I don't need you to pull weeds. I'll take care of that. I need you to throw seeds. The Word of God, constantly the Word of God, scriptures, inviting people to church, Jesus living kind of lifestyle so that people see the Word of God. A harvest is coming. Just keep throwing seeds and God will take care of the weeds. And that leads us to this third story that Jesus tells. Verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's smallest of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Jesus tells a story about the kingdom of God, and I think here's the lesson. Throw seed because it's going to grow bigger than you think. And again, I'm revealing so much about myself here today. Sorry, I'm a visitor. I've got to let you know who I am. But I grew up in the city, in Indianapolis. I'm not a farmer, so the pumpkin thing's a miracle. And, uh, and I'm also not, uh, I'm not a kitchen person. I don't cook. I don't hang out. I grill. But, I mean, that's really not that talent. I burn meat. Um, <laughs> but in my wife's cupboard, she's got mustard seed. Have you seen mustard seed? It's small. If you, if you get down to, usually mustard seed means there's a bunch of them. But if you get down to one mustard seed, you barely pick it up. It's so small. It's like a, it's the tiniest BB in the world. And Jesus is so genius. He says, you guys don't know what the kingdom of God's like? This word of the kingdom of God that's planted throughout the world, you know what it's like? It's small, but it's going to grow bigger than you think. Now, I've actually had a chance to be to the Holy Land a couple of times, and I've seen fields that are covered with mustard. They're beautiful, beautiful yellow plants. I like to think that when Jesus was teaching, he was in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. I like to think he was looking up at a hill and said, kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And he uses this illustration that everybody can see because these, these tree bush thingies, which is their technical name scientifically, um, these, they're kind of bushes and they're kind of trees because they're twiggy and they've, they've, they're hard. And birds can build nests in them and birds can. And you, if you could stand next to a mustard tree plant thingy and hold a little BB a seed in your hand, you'd go, how does that become that? Because in this seed is the DNA that grows that. And God made it to grow that way. And in the seed of the Word of God is the DNA to grow bigger than you ever thought possible. You know the reason I throw the seed of the Word of God out as often as I can is because I know God's going to do stuff that I never thought was going to happen. Like the history of this church. Like the history of the church that I serve, 1955, 19 people get together and start praying about a church, and now all these years later, God has done all that he's done. And I think of all the churches throughout all the world and all the stuff that God's doing in the world today. I caught up with a friend of mine named Ajay Law, who, who 30 years ago plants, began to start planting churches and training church planters in India, in the poorest parts. 
And over the last 30 years, he's planted over 1,200 churches. And last year, they baptized into Christ. 53,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah, yeah. And you go, well, I, 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 Ajay, did you ever think that was going to happen? No. What'd you do? I just started throwing the word of God. And the story of the word, think of the 12 guys who were not very smart that Jesus picked to be the apostles. And those 12 guys has grown into the church worldwide, Christians literally in every nation. There's 100 million Christians in China. It's illegal to be a Christian in China, by the way. There's 100 million Christians, and everywhere you go, the Word of God continues to grow bigger than you think, and you try to kill the church, and you try to stamp out the church, and you try to shut up the Word of God, and it keeps growing. Why? Because in the seat of the Word of God is everything God needs to grow to the church bigger than you think. Again, bring that down to your personal level. You ever get tired of just sharing faith with people around you? Because it's not working. I've asked them to come to Easter 12 years in a row. They don't come. I keep asking them to come to church with me. I keep slipping little things like Bibles into their gift packs. And those kind of, you're those nerdy people at Halloween that give away Jesus tracks, right? <laughs> I want snicker bars. Don't tell me about Jesus now. <laughs> those kids say. But you, you keep, but, but even with family members, people that are in your family that you, that you know are outside of Christ and they're lost and you keep praying for them and, you, and sometimes don't you feel like, I'm done praying for them. I'm not going to invite them anymore. I, I'm just going to give, don't give up. Here's why. Because every time you introduce Jesus in any way, shape, or form, whether it's your life, your example, whether it's an actual word, whether it's an invitation to church, whether it's a reading of scripture, you are planting a seed that is going to grow bigger than you ever thought it would grow. That's why when we have decision times, we hear people's stories and they go, my husband prayed for me for 30 years and I finally got it. My neighbor invited me to church for three years in a row and I finally showed up. You see, the word of God has is, got the DNA in it to grow bigger than you think it does. In our time remaining this morning, I just want to show you how this, I think this plays out in real life and I understand this story because it's my story. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I went to church on the southeast side of Indianapolis, a place called Cumberland Christian Church. My story begins, obviously, when I was born, but I remember being in first grade, and my Sunday school teacher, her name was Avis Piper. She's still living today. She sent me a letter uh, not too long ago. And Avis was, um, well, first of all, I need to tell you about me. I was a church rat, what I call a church rat the kind of kid that just owns a church, because my dad was a pastor, then an elder, and I was everywhere. I climbed up in the steeple. I took baths in the baptistry. Uh, I ate a lot of unauthorized Jesus bread and drank a lot of unauthorized Jesus juice. Uh, you know, I crawled under the pews during prayer. I mean, I did all of it, right? Um, and so I was not the easiest student to have in, in Sunday school. But Avis was mean. She had horn rim glasses before they were cool, right? And she had the chain things that hung down, and she's learn about Jesus. You know, oh, and we had this great technology back in the day called uh, flannel graph. Y'all remember flannel boards? You know, Peter's head's always ripped off. You gotta put them together in two pieces, and <laughs> disciples are missing. But we learned the Bible that way. And I, here's what I remember about Avis. Here's what I remember about Sunday school. I always got in trouble, and she always taught the Word of God. <laughs> 
And she taught it week after week to my unattentive heart, week after week, and we memorized scripture, and she, she taught us Bible stories, and you know what? She planted deep within me the seed of the word of God. Now fast forward to 1995. I've now gone to Bible college, many, much of it because of the seed that she's planted in my heart, and I've become a pastor and I show up to, to Eastview Christian Church. I'm the new youth pastor. The first day I'm there, I get a call from a dad who says, man, my son, Tyler, he's a mess. you got to fix him. He just got busted with a friend of his. They had some alcohol in their car, and they spent the night in jail. I let him stay there for a while, and then I got him out. And he's hanging out with this other kid named Brett, and he's a mess. you got to keep him away. Well, what Tyler's dad didn't know that Brett's dad called me and said the same thing. You need to keep this kid away from Tyler. <laughs> so I put both of them together in my small group. All right, and uh, three or four other guys, and for two or three years, all the way through high school, I just study every Wednesday, and my wife can confess to you, I came up some Wednesday nights going, I don't know what just happened down there. I talked about Jesus, I taught from the scripture, I think it was a complete waste of time, but I kept doing it week in and week out because the seed had been planted in my heart, and I wanted to plant it in theirs. Tyler went on to college, and he, he was on the path to do what everybody in our town does, work at State Farm, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're either employed by Eastview or you work for State Farm down at our, in our town. So Tyler, um, he's in college, and his brother Troy is killed in a car wreck when he's 16 years old, and Tyler's life just focuses differently. Five years later, actually about five and a half years ago, I sat down with Tyler in a restaurant in Bloomington Normal. I said, dude, I think you're the next missions pastor at Eastview Christian Church. And he cried, and then his wife cried for three weeks, and then they said yes, and they're our missions pastor today, which is awesome to have a missions pastor. Yeah. It's awesome to have a missions pastor that's, that was in your youth group is now in your staff because you can still say, knock it off, Tyler. And it's, it really works. But Tyler, um, a couple of years ago, um, started praying about where God wanted us to go next with our missions, and he took some elders over to a place in, in northeast India in a place called Darjeeling. This is where they make the tea. It's famous for tea. It's in the northeast part. It's up by Nepal and Bhutan and, and Bangladesh, and it's, it's really non-Christian area. But he met, met this guy, this, this really passionate pastor named Divas Lama. And Divas was a preacher, and he had a church there, but he was also training evangelists and teaching them to go, getting them ready to go back across the Nepali border into Bhutan, into Bangladesh, and preach the gospel. And uh, he also started doing this other thing because he and his wife discovered that in the town that they live in, uh, there was a really high prostitution um, trade going on there. And a lot of the children of these prostitutes were left in a room by themselves for sometimes days at a time. And in a way that our American legal minds don't understand, they just started taking them. They started rescuing them. I guess we're like, so you got like adoption papers? No, we just take them. And they don't care. And so last time I was there, they have about 12 now. There's no orphanage, but they got 12 kids that they've, that they've rescued. And now they're feeding them, and they're teaching them the word of God. And, and I take pictures with them, and we sing Jesus songs together. And I look at these little two-year-old kids, and I go, wow, you know where this came from? 41 years ago, in a Sunday school, in Indianapolis, when some woman took the mustard seed of faith and planted it deep in my heart, and it's grown all the way to some kid in Nepal 
who now is a, you know, has a chance at faith in Christ. That's the way the kingdom of God is. That's the best thing I can tell you. Keep throwing seeds. There's no guarantee that the seed's going to grow. There's no guarantee at the timing of the growth of the seed. There's no guarantee how it's going to happen. But I can guarantee you this. If you don't throw seeds, if you don't share your faith, if you don't talk to people about Jesus, if you don't live out a Christ-following life, if you don't invite them to church every once in a while, nothing's going to grow. And so I'm going to go back to normal. I'm going to chuck pumpkins and chuck the Word of God. Yeah. Hey. And my sincere prayer is that you guys will chuck the Word of God here. Let's pray. God, your blessing, please, on the people of Parkview, the church here, their ministry. We're so blessed to be living testimonies of seed that was sown in our lives and we've grown. Would you help us sow seed? Would you help it grow as only you can in the lives of those we love and those around us? Father, we ask this in your son's name. Amen.